This is the Jocko Debrief Podcast, episode 18, with Dave Burke and me, kicking it. The Debrief Podcast, what it is, is we have a business. It's called Echelon Front. We work with companies. We help them with their leadership inside their companies. And Dave and I often debrief about the clients that we're working with. And so... At one point, we decided it would be good to share these conversations where we debrief and discuss solutions with other people. Well, with everybody, I guess, <laughs> so that everybody can learn. So that's what this is. As far as our clients go, we when we when we give these stories about the clients, we totally change them. You won't be able to identify who this company is or what company. You won't even know what industry they're actually in because we protect the the privacy of our clients, but we use a story wrapped around with a similar, similar story so that we can, so we can explain the situation that we face and, and then we just press record and release it as the debrief podcast. That's where we start. So what do we got? Dave, what's the latest and greatest out on the front lines? Yeah. And just, I guess to add that a little bit is one of the things that makes us able to combine different things is that these problems are, are being faced in different ways across every company. They're all dealing with the same challenges. Now, there's certainly differences in the situations, but when we're talking about a particular topic, that's a topic that we talk about with every client that we work with. That's an issue that we deal with with everybody. I kind of, I, for a while I have to be, for a while I had to remind myself to be careful about this. What I had to be careful about is Telling companies, clients, yeah, we hear this all the time. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> because everybody thinks their 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 problem is unique and they wanna they want it to be unique and they want it to be like this hard thing that they only their industry or only their company has to deal with. And even though I'm nicer about it now, the the truth is, as you mentioned, we we hear we we face the same problems in all different industries. It doesn't matter. And the solutions our leadership solutions. Everyone. That's what ties all this together is <laughs> we talk to people and everybody is different. Every business is different. Every person is different. Every situation is different. That is all true. And in the exact same breath, every single problem is a leadership problem. And every single person in your organization from you, no matter where you are, if you're at the CEO or the newest employee and everybody in between is a leader that not only not only has the need, but the ability to solve problems. So the cool thing about that is that that's, again, when I talk to clients, that's also a dichotomy because in the same breath, while everything is unique and different, everything's the same. And there is a middle ground also with how they they talk to their people too. And what's interesting is as I prepare these, I try to make them by topic, I guess. I kind of try to bundle them together so we can talk you know, today I would be, hey, we're going to talk about decentralized command. But the truth is that there's overlap. And even the things that I'm talking about in this particular case that connects to all the things that we teach, all the leadership challenges that we teach, which is actually really cool for me. Because when I'm debriefing you, I, I, in some ways, I'm really debriefing you on a particular problem. But in reality, it's all the different elements that go into this. And probably the best part about this is I'll tell you what I did in this particular case or the interaction I had. And then you'll talk about something without us having been we didn't like prep this like here jock i'm gonna tell you in this mm. on the podcast i just tell you and then you take it and then you talk about something that you think about i write that stuff down and the next time i go back and interact with a client i have more to talk to them about to help them solve these problems which is which is actually awesome for everybody me included i like it <clears throat> what do we got we're going to talk about decentralized command a little bit uh and the thing about decentralized command is a lot of different things to talk about there but in this particular case Decentralized command isn't just giving your people things to do. When we define decentralized command, we define it by saying everyone leads. And if you are in a leadership role, I guess a traditional organizational leadership role, decentralized command isn't, hey, I'm just gonna give these things that I don't wanna do or these things that I shouldn't do anymore and give them to Jock and my subordinate, I'm gonna go do other things. That's not decentralized command. So we're working with a company and we're working with a, a team leader that used to be part of the team that was elevated out of that leadership or out of that role into a leadership role and he kind of came to me and said, hey, I, I, I have a little bit of a reputation of being a micromanager. And his version of that was he really likes to do the work. He likes to be down with, with the team and doing those things. And ever since he's 
stepped up and, and leveled up to a supervisor role of his team, he's kind of stepping on their toes, maybe getting the way a little bit and, and there's generating a little bit of friction. And what he wanted to know is, hey, how do I how do I take this new leadership role and not make it seem like I'm just pushing all my stuff off off to my guys? So kind of fits in this idea of decentralized command. And the first thing about that, when I talk to uh, leadership strategy and tactics talks about it, about sort of the mindset you take when I am on a team and then I'm now the supervisor of that team. The first thing I have to realize is I'm there to help the team win. That elevation of my status isn't supposed to separate me, meaning that I'm better or more important or I'm now elevated above my my team, but I'm actually have more responsibility to make sure that they're successful. And at the same time, one of the other challenges that people face, and we saw this in the military all the time, is when you elevate up, you have to start thinking differently. You have to think more strategically. And if you're one of those people that spent all your time down there doing the job, and all of a sudden you're being told to look up and out, that's actually not that easy to do. But I think where he was really struggling with this how do I have my people do the work without me, without them feeling like I'm just giving them work to do is when we hear decentralized command, one of the most common words that we connect to that, that clients connect to that is empowerment. It made me think of, a, and I don't even remember what it was, but on a podcast, I don't even know if it was a debrief podcast or just a Jocko podcast that we talked about. You talked about empowerment and the root of empowerment, the root of what empowerment is, is you actually have to give your people power. So if you in a leadership role and a supervisor role, this guy is, this guy has power. He has power over his team. He has organizational influence over his team. And if you want your people to actually lead, you have to give them power. Which means if I if Jocko you work for me and I give you a task, I have to give you the power to do it the way that you want. I have to give you the power to to do the things that you want to do so you can you can do this particular task, this this particular job, the way that you want. And if I really want you to think that I am actually giving you ownership, giving you power, is one of the best things I can do is actually reverse the roles and support you. Not to say, hey man, you got this, You know, go do your thing, whatever. I could actually subordinate myself, even in a leadership role, to, to actually support you on this task in the way that you wanna do it, rather than, hey, I didn't do it that way when I was in your role, I think you should do it like this. Uh, I know I'm the supervisor and I think you, I want you to do it my way. I have to give you that power and I have to give you the ability to do that task the way that you want. And that might mean I need to support you. And I think the other gap that was difficult for him in this case was, it doesn't, it doesn't mean he abdicates ownership though. And so I think the balance for him was, I have to give you this task. And let's say I give you power. I give you the ability to run this this particular project. And then you under deliver your behind schedule, your limit over budget. And we don't actually meet the expectations that we want. And I'll ask him, hey, who who is responsible for that? And the answer, of course, is he is still responsible for that. So I think the biggest challenge for him when it was coming to this decentralized command problem was, how do I let my team lead and still still have them feel like they have, I guess how they have ownership of the problem without him giving up that ownership. So when you're leading your team and you're now elevated up, the first thing you want them to know is that you're there to help them be successful. You're gonna give them, you're gonna empower them to be successful, but you as a leader do not give up the ownership of that outcome. And I think that balance was where the real challenge was for him. And if my team underperforms, it's still my fault in that leadership role. Okay, so I get it. So then, what what did you what did you talk to him about? So he basically raised those questions, said, "Hey, listen, yeah, these are the yep, these are the questions he's asking. Hey, how do I how do I let my people run project? How do I let them lead mm-hmm. now that I am in a supervisory role?" And the first thing is, "Hey, if you're going to empower your people to be successful, you got to give them power, which means they have to be able to run the projects the way they want." So his team should be telling him, hey, this is the outcome I think you want, this is the way we wanna do it, and, it's, and what his ha- habit was, he would go down there and micromanage all the different parts of the task, tell them how they wanted to get it done. Mm-hmm. They were complying, and what that was doing was creating friction, and they were kind of implying, hey, you are stepping on our toes. It's like, okay, well, so then he overshoots the mark, which is, hey, you do whatever you want, you don't need me, You're, you guys can do this, and then when the projects weren't reaching the objective that he wanted them to reach, he was blaming them. Got it. Um, 
So then you, you you balanced him out a little bit. Yes. Okay. So so here's a couple of things that I thought about when you were, when you were talking. <laughs> uh, first, what, one thing that I find to be very very powerful is, let's say you're working for me, Dave, and I've got a task that needs to get done. Like the, it's a good move. It's a good move for me to say, hey, Dave. Here's the task. You know, how do you want to do it? You make it happen, blah, blah, blah. That's that's a good move. It's a solid move. Like we give that one, we give that one the solid roof. But the actual next level is when I say, Hey Dave, here's this thing that it looks like we have to get done. Do you think we need to do it? So I'm actually going to say, I'm gonna give you the choice if we even need to do this or not. And that might seem like a like a little a little difference, right? It might just seem like a couple degrees off, but it's actually 180 degrees off. It actually gives because you're talking about empowering. Is there anything more empowering than saying, "Hey, Dave, w- w- you know what? W- you know, it's we got a we got a bunch of dishes here that need to get cleaned. Go ahead and clean them however you want." And then you you know you go well okay well I'm gonna whatever scrub them first this is how I'm gonna do it and you're slightly empowered right but if I go hey Dave you know what looks like these dishes are piling up do you think we need to get them done do you think we need to get them cleaned now here here's the beautiful thing you you can actually say no you can actually say no you know what I think we can leave them till the morning and you know what we can we can so I'm giving you a choice. And the choice is a real choice that you could actually be like, you know what, I don't think we need to clean them until the morning. And I could be like, because I won't let my ego get involved and I won't get spun up, I'll be like, cool. Get them done in the morning, sounds good. Sounds good. Or you could be like, no, I don't think we need to do the dishes at all, right? Oh, oh, oh. That's not even a realistic answer. Yeah. Like we have to, so I kind of, maybe it's a little bit of a, maybe it's, I'm asking you a, a question that's not earnest because I'm saying, hey, do you want to clean the dishes? Look, we know you're going to want to clean the kitchen. We, we know you have to clean the dishes. We know it has to happen at some point. Now, look, I could say, listen, I, I, I can get them done tomorrow morning if that's, you know, if you can't do them tonight, you know what, maybe I'll just do them. That's okay. But with you take something that's a little bit more serious, um, hey, hey Dave, we got this client and they're gonna need another an, another session this week. I, I think they need it, do you think they need it? And by the way, I'm gone, so if anyone's gonna be doing the session, yeah. it's gonna be you. Yeah. A- and here's the deal, you could tell me no, and maybe I could say, well, do you think they're gonna get the impact that they need? <laughs> and you can see where this is going. Yeah. So you end up telling me, you know what? We need to do this session. You end up telling me we need to do this session. And, and that is empowering. Now look, it's not a trick because if you could earnestly say to me, you know what, they don't need another session. You could probably convince me. Be like, listen, hey Jonko, they've already had two sessions last week and we have one more follow on session next week. I don't think they need a session this week. And I could be like, okay, fair enough. That's fine. Most likely, the reason I'm asking you this question is because you know and I know that the client needs another session. Yeah. So there's a certain level of empowerment to set, to to actually earnestly asking someone, "Do you think we need to do this?" And if you do, then cool. How do you think we should do it? That's that's my next level move. Yeah. So the so the second half of what you said, and you, I guess you kind of imply like the dishes was some sort of like rudimentary example, but actually it makes sense because you could well you could be actually working in the kitchen right now and listening to this, and of course it makes sense. But the idea of like hey these are things that we are going to need to use again to deliver whatever it is for our clients tomorrow, so you're going to need these things, dishes or otherwise. But it, the second part of that, and of course as I take the notes, is like the connection to empowerment of the empowerment of letting you decide how to do something versus whether to decide whether to do it. Um, the expansion of, of power on that is, that's a, that's it's, a significant. It's exponential. Dude, that's huge. And it, it, if you came back to me like, we're never doing the dishes anymore. Like, oh man, like 
Now I have to think like, holy cow, how do I, how have I created a situation by which I used to do the dishes with this team and now they don't, they think we don't even need to do them anymore. The likelihood of that is, is I don't want to say zero, but it's so low. It, it would imply as if they didn't even think that the tools we use were necessary. So me saying, do you want to do this is really, of course, we're going to do this task at some point, somehow, but the ownership of the, the control that you have to do it, however you want to do it, when you wanted to do it. I, I'm hearing, when I heard you say that second part of it, I kind of almost laughed out loud, like how nice would that be to go, and listen, man, however you want to do this, the, not this task, but this, this, I don't know if it's project or whatever, this whole thing that we're doing, however you want to do that is fine with me. With the understanding that they're going to know this all needs to get done. We, we, we got to service the client. We got to deliver this product. Whatever we're doing at this company, we're doing this thing. Um, the difference between those two is that's a big, big, big difference. Check this out. Delta Charlie, who I wrote about in Leadership Strategy and Tactics, we had done a hydrographic reconnaissance up at Red Beach, up at Camp Pendleton, freaking grueling, cold, out all night. We go in, we swim in, we mark the beach, or we, we'd mark our soundings on the, on the freaking slates. Do you know what a hydrographic reconnaissance is? You've, you've explained it. I've so never you're, obviously you're done You're basically one, yeah. swimming in and you got a little lead lane and yeah. you're, you're figuring out how deep the water is and you're keeping your notes and everyone in the platoon is keeping their notes and eventually you take all those notes and you turn, them into, you turn them into the cartographer who's another guy in the platoon who then takes all that information and plots it out on a map and then deliver it to the Marine Corps and the Marine Corps goes, yep, the beach is safe for us to land on. So we, we did that one night and it's freezing cold and it's miserable and the waves were big. It's a freaking hard job. We, but we did it, we got it done, we turned in this stuff to the cartographer, cartographer built the chart, gave it to the Marine Corps, Marine Corps executes an amphibious landing up at Camp Pendleton, they get done with their amphibious landing that day, and they go, you know what, we did a bad job. The Marine Corps said we did a bad job with our, amphib- the, the Marine Corps said the Marine Corps did a bad job with our amphibious landing, we need to do it again. Cool, reload. Guess what, guess who else got reloaded? We did. So we're out with Delta Charlie in the boats, we go in, we just did a hydrographic reconnaissance the night before. And finally, someone in the platoon, we're getting ready to get in the water. And somebody in the platoon says something along the lines of, hey, Delta Charlie, we just did this last night. Nothing has changed. Do we really need to do it again? Do we really have to do this again? And Delta Charlie did this move on us. He said, well, we don't really have to. The thing that he added was, he said, but would it be the right thing to do? Yeah. Oh, and I was so glad I wasn't the knucklehead that asked that question to put myself on report for being a <laughs> wimp and not wanting to do another hydrographic nonsense. But then guess what? Then he gave us the choice yeah. of whether we wanted to do this or not. And then it's like, okay, and of course we were like, no, it would be the wrong thing to do. Let's do it. And we did it to the best of our ability. That's a big deal yeah. and the sense of the sense of actual empowerment is exponential now here's the other thing that you ran up against in this question i am not going to micromanage you dave burke if you're one of my guys i'm not going to micromanage you it's not going to happen but i'm not going to allow you to fail totally I am not going to allow you to fail. And I will start to get more and more and more intrusive the closer and closer you get to failure. And and, and a matter of fact, you're only gonna get so close. You're gonna start veering off a little bit and I'll be like, hey Dave, check, do a bearing check right now. And you're like, oh, got it. You know, I talk about brushing up against the guardrails of failure, basically, with the minimum force required, I can give you an adjustment that you're not even going to touch the you're not even going to touch the guardrails of failure. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna start to get a off course and go, hey Dave, check, how's that bearing looking? You go, whoa, whoa, go, yeah, check. Oh, a little bit off. Got it, boss. I probably wouldn't even say something. Like, hey, how's what what bearing are you on? And you tell me, and you go, uh, zero nine zero. <laughs> yeah, and you were really on zero eight four, right? You were six degrees off. You were going in the wrong direction. And I just ask you, hey, what bearing are you on? And you corrected it yourself. That's what's going to happen most of the time. Occasionally, I had a, I was on a training operation, and our boat, we like flipped a boat in the surf zone, engine was flooded, 
and guys are like, okay, hey, we need to call the admin truck and have them come pick us up because there's no way we can do this anymore and blah, blah, blah. And that was that was like a right turn into the guardrails oh, to take go through the guardrails and cl- oh, over the cliff, right? And I was, you know, hold, hold on a second, what? You know, I'm a platoon commander. Hey, what'd you say? Well, we need to call the admin trucks. We got a down motor. I was like, no, no, no. We have a contingency to this. We rig for tow. That's what we do. We're in the freaking SEAL teams. We have down motors sometimes. And we have boats that get flipped on the beach. We write them. We square them. We set security. We write the boat. We freaking get the this, the water out of it. And we hook a tow line. And we, we get this thing back out. The, the platoon was ready to surrender <laughs> and fail. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, we're not doing that. So use that minimum force required. Occasionally, do you have to actually do a course correction? Yeah, you do. And that was actually when I had first, I'd taken over a platoon from a platoon commander that had gotten fired. So they didn't have the, they didn't understand w- what we were doing as a as a platoon yet they 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 thought that that kind of thing was like hey that's what happens you know you flip a boat you call the admin truck and they'll come pick you up and it's we'll go clean out that motor or whatever no if that would have happened a month later we wouldn't have even considered that right. not even considered so those are good points i like them i, I think too you you probably wrote about it in, in in leadership strategy and tactics about even the technique of what do you do when you are elevated in in your role and you gave your examples of like two different guys yep. and how they how they respond to that because there's a variation of that some version of that happens in so many different places and we get questions about that all the time and the the move from tactical to strategic or or the the elevation from one role to another in some ways can be like super daunting. Like, how do I think strategically and all these big things I have to do? And, and I think the way you just described it and those questions, whether they're earnest or maybe like a little more deliberate, the outcome is still the same is that your role is there to make sure the team is successful. And sometimes the team needs a tiny little adjustment, which means if you're going from being on the team to being the leader of the team and that team is a solid team, little, little course question, maybe a small question, just a verification of the heading or a team that, you're in from the outside, you come from the outside and you join a team and that team isn't where they need to be. But in the end, that description is is all different ways that you just described to make sure the team ends up being successful. Yep. That the team ends up winning. And I'm thinking about like the example of, had this team been another month, they would have kind of just understood what's going, <laughs> what we're doing here, like how things are actually happening here on this team. <laughs> um, and how even in that role it's, is what you're getting them to be able to do so they can be successful. So as a leader, then you go, oh, my team no longer is gonna run to the admin when we flip a boat in the surf zone. Cool, guess what I can start doing now? I can spend a little less time worrying about what they're gonna do with this particular yeah. crisis, and I can start. Yep. Yeah. And you know, it's now that you mentioned it, I was a little caught off guard. In other words, I probably didn't see the indicators, the little course corrections that I needed to make of what was happening until all of a sudden, like, oh, hey, we need to contact the admin boat. That, I, I was like, wait, wait a second, what, what are you talking about? I haven't gone admin in a training situation in my freaking life. Yeah. So I don't know what we're talking about, but we're not, g- not quote, happening going right admin, that's not yeah. happening. It caught me a little bit off guard because they were in a mode of, hey, you know what, if you, things aren't going the way, call, call call admin, call a little training time out, have the trucks come and pick up the boat. I'm like, no. my. It takes a little while to establish that and get that culture of we're, we're not gonna call for admin. Yeah. In Check. any situation. <laughs> Check. All right, what do we got? We got another one? Yeah, I got a question from uh, Extreme Ownership Academy. It was, a, it was a question that got posted in the during one of our live sessions. And I like this one because it's a topic that a version of this has been getting asked a bunch lately, and it really involved about pushing back against leadership, putting, push, pushing back against the boss's direction. And this was a company that uh, they they work out in the field, so they work you know out, literally outdoors in operations. Those can be kind of sketchy, it's in poor weather, and so they deal with some real physical risks. And the boss, who was actually in charge of the, the company, um, she wanted to make sure that their they really, she wanted to get more tight safety protocols. So she was looking to ensure that the safety of her employees uh, was a higher priority. And what had happened is 
at least the version of the question was, we were given these safety protocols that were way too restrictive, like way too limiting. It was gonna make us need way more people, way more time, and we simply were not gonna be able to do our job. So the question was like, how best do you go back to your boss and tell them, hey, we can't do this. This this imposition on us, this restriction you give us, actually, we can't do that. And there was a discussion about, hey, we're gonna gather some data, we want some experts from these different scenarios in the field on how different projects are done so they can give us feedback based on each individual case, kind of gather all the proof, all the data to show that I can now go back to my boss and go, hey, hey, Jocko, what you're asking us to do, we can't do those things, and here's why. And the, the answer was, hey, that, that might work, that might be, that might work. But my inclination when we were talking to this person was that's not how I would handle that situation. That's not the first move that I would make was go back and have my team, hey, here's the guidance from Jocko. I want you to collect all the reasons why this won't work. And so the the first thing was. Isn't it funny if you just think through a problem to what you just said, you already know that that's a bad idea. Look, yeah. you might not have figured out the solution yet, but you already know, hey, you got tasked with doing something by the boss and the first thing you do is tell the team, hey, Give me all the reasons why this won't work. Totally. Like, it's so obvious, right? It is. And even the way you just said that, and that was really the crux was like, they didn't have the solution yet. And what you just said was exactly the point of, well, we actually need a solution for this. We don't know what the solution is. And a great way to make sure that the solution is imposed on you, rather than figuring it out, is to tell your leadership that their ideas are bad. That we, we're not gonna do this and here's why. And so the other approach was, and listen, th this is a good team. This is like not some big dysfunctional issue where they couldn't have a free flow of information back and forth. They're not working for a tyrant who was demanding compliance. So the first question was, hey, let's just first figure out what, what, is, what do we want, what is trying to get accomplished here? Does the boss want us to be no longer financially solvent because safety is the most important thing and we're gonna bankrupt the company? No, we don't want that. Does the boss now want us to have quadruple the time requirements to get the same job done? No, that's not what the boss wants. So if we could take a step back a little bit and just first think, what is the outcome that they want? Does anybody think we should be, does anybody reject the idea that we should be more safe? No, we're all on board with that. We all want safety. Nobody wants to get hurt. Nobody wants their people to get hurt. And then the other part of it is that what I want my boss to understand is that I am actually on board with the plan. Now, I don't know about the specific solution of this case on this job. I don't know that yet. But your intent for me is to be safer, have a better safety record, and ensure that our operations are have a better, a better safety outcome. I am absolutely on board of that plan. And the best way I can actually come back to you with a solution is to go, boss. And this was, this was sort of the response of, hey, maybe a better approach is to go, hey, boss, this sounds right. This makes sense. We want to apply better safety measures here. Let me take this. Let me go back to my four uh, uh, project managers. Let me tell them what we're going to go do. Let's implement this. And I'll come back to you and let you know how things are going as we start to do this. And if we see any resistance or areas where we're struggling, we'll try to work through it and get you some feedback on things that we might need to change to meet your intent. And so the whole point of that was the risk of pushing back right away, what I risk by saying I'm not doing this is actually you saying, no, you are gonna go do this and now you're directing me to do, you're now giving me the solution that we actually don't have and I don't want that. I want you to think that I'm on board with your plan and I want you to give me the latitude to make that happen the most effective way as we can. So. We know the boss doesn't want us to make less money. We know the boss doesn't want to ruin the company. So we want to support her intent in this particular case. And what they were running into was, we have to tell them right away, because the fastest way to get to this conclusion is going, hey, Jocko, this isn't going to work. We can't do this. Here's, here's reason A, B, and C, so we're not going to do this, as opposed to, hey, that makes sense. We want to go implement this. Let's go be safe. We'll go run it with our teams, and then I'll come back and give you a debrief on what we're seeing from each of these different projects and how we can continue to, to, to solve this. I love that look. <laughs> well, as soon as I tell well, you what you said, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna go. Damn it. Okay. Because the thing that you said was, and it's not, it's not a hundred percent incorrect, but you're gonna, you're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. You said, hey, well, I I'm saying this because I want my boss to think 
that I'm on board with the plan, yeah, that, right? Uh, yes. And I know you didn't mean it. No, but no that's a, that, yeah. And, and that, it's, actually, it's actually not inaccurate, right? It's not inaccurate to say, I want my boss to think that I'm on board with the plan. But the reason that you want your boss to think that you're on board with the plan is because you are on board I'm with on the board, plan. Yeah. I want my boss to know I'm on board with the that's plan. That's what we yes, want. Absolutely. We want my boss to know I'm on board with the plan. And even when you said, even when you said to me, like, we're do, if we do, if we do a, whatever, if we did a scale, one, one end of the scale is like, boss, this is never gonna work. The other end of the scale is, hey boss, I'm all, I got it, gonna go execute. You picked a middle ground, which was, it was even leaning toward, hey boss, got it, I'm gonna go execute. You said, hey boss, hey, I'll take this to the troops, we'll, we'll, we'll go execute, and then I'll give you, ever f- give you some feedback on what's working and what's not. That, even that right there is a little shadow, it's a little indication that, oh, so Dave's already got resistance, you know? I'm probably just gonna, I'm just gonna say, oh, hey Dave, this is what you want me to execute? Cool, got it, let me, let me review the notes, got it, let me bring it down to the team. We'll start it, we'll start it immediately. Let me get this thing Im- implemented. Not even giving you an indication that I've got a, pr- I, I have a potential issue with this. Yeah. Because then when I come back to you there, it's just gonna confirm the indication that I gave, which was I didn't really want this thing to work anyways. Yeah. So instead of my boss, quote, thinking I'm on board with the plan, my boss is actually thinking I'm not on board with the plan, and then they're gonna confirm that as soon as I run my mouth, coming back and saying, well, actually, we did an assessment, it's gonna take four people to do this job now instead of two and, and, and whatever. So how, how do we do this? Has this been this game I've been playing with Echo for a little while? It's actually the last two underground podcasts that we've done where he's he's made these indications that you have to you have to be able to act a certain way, like almost like you're gonna you're you're in a required you know you need to go to acting classes so you can act like your boss so your boss will believe you. And, and the fact of the matter is, this isn't an acting class. Dave gives me instru- Dave's my boss. Dave's giving me instruction. My assumption is, hey. He wants the company to make money. He wants to be safe. Like those are good things. I'm on board. Yeah, I'm on board with everything you just said. I don't have to act. I don't have to pretend I like your plan. I like your plan. And and you know what? And here's the other note I took down is, you hear me talk a lot about asking earnest questions, which is very important. And it's a real thing. And the difference between an earnest question and a question, there's a big difference between those two things. Yeah. Me asking my boss an earnest question of, hey Dave, can, can you explain to me why this particular protocol is being used because right now it seems to me like it's gonna it's gonna utilize a lot more people if that's an earnest question because you might say yeah Jocko I tell you what we've got an insurance situation where if we have another safety incident we are gonna get shut down and I go cool got it now if that wasn't an earnest question and I go Dave what are you doing having us have four people do this instead of one this is ridiculous why would you why would you do this it's not an earnest question so earnest question, asking an earnest question is excruciatingly important. And let me tell you something else that's excruciatingly important. Making an earnest effort. Earnestly going to try and do what we've been asked to do. To go and really say, okay, hey, this is what the boss needs, this is the outcome they want, here's the recommendation on how they gave us, on how we get that done, cool, got it. And I make an earnest effort with my team to make this happen. So all those things are good. And and essentially, this these these this topic, we want to win. Yeah. And it's so much more it's it, this is the thing. You might think, well, it's more efficient just to say, hey boss, I don't think this is gonna work. It's actually not gonna be more efficient. What you just did is you just built a boundary between you two, you went to, you're now on opposing sides, we're not on the same team anymore, it's me against you. This isn't gonna help you. Earnest, if you've got some earnest questions, ask them. And then if you make an earnest effort, the feedback that you get is going to be legitimate. And that is actually gonna help the team, help the company, help the boss, and help you. I was, Watching your facial expressions as we were talking, like we're looking at each other, literally, we're like on staring across the table from each other. And if I, if I know, if you know me well, I'm your subordinate, you know me well, or vice versa, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. If we know each other well, the, 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 the subtlety of the comment of, hey, I'm on board, this is all good, and then I'll kind of let you know what's going wrong. The subtlety of that actually is actually really obvious if we, if we, 
if you know what you're what I what I usually how Dave usually reacts my normal reaction is like cool got it no factor like that's usually the length of our conversations when you say hey let's go do whatever and I'm like Roger there's not a, there's not a lot of like discussion so now all of a sudden like oh that's wait <laughs> hang on a second but I also wrote down too as I'm as I'm listening to to what you're saying is what does it say if I push back immediately like immediately now uh, you know there's risk of 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 friction all those things and and first for you and I in real life like. I don't think the risk of me pushing back is like going to fracture the relationship and cause a real hardship between you and me and our roles in the organization. But what it tells you is that I didn't actually really think about what you said because there's no way I can hear what you said and immediately come back and go, and which is basically me saying you're wrong when I'm pushing back. Hey, this isn't going to work or this won't work. The, the, the I, I'm less worried that hey, did I put up a barrier between me and Jocko that's going to not be manageable than I am. Basically saying, hey, how about how about I take five minutes? How about I take five minutes and just think about what you said? And this came up on Extreme Ownership Academy just last week, which was people were talking, hey, if, if the boss says something that doesn't make sense, ask questions. And what I had interjected was, actually, I said, you don't have to ask questions right away. You can just think about it. Take 10 minutes, take a day, just go back to your desk and think about it. And 90% of the questions that you have, you can probably answer and you use the word earnestly and that's the right word. It was if you can genuinely just try to figure out what he means. If Jocko tells me something that doesn't make sense, I actually don't need to ask a lot of questions because I can just go, go, hang on. All right, what did he say? What's the situation? What does I think? Oh, okay, I, I think I got it. And then I could go back and maybe ask a question or a question there. But if I push back right away, it's me telling you I'm not really listening. And I've already kind of got the answer. Um, anyway, I wrote that down. The way, the, way you, the way you were describing that is if someone pushes back immediately, what you're telling that other person is you're not really listening to what they're saying because you already know the answer. Yeah. I, what you're telling them is I have a closed mind. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't listened. My, young, my youngest daughter, I don't know where she got this from, but it's awesome. She says, got it. If you if you ask her to you, do something, you're wondering where she got that from. Yeah, yeah that's uh, I, we'll never figure that one out. I, I don't I don't think I use the. I might say Roger that, but she says got it, and she puts this little tone on her voice. Got it, and then she does whatever it is. It's freaking legit. That's that's the open mind that's going to go try and earnestly implement a plan, and then when the plan doesn't work or you get some pushback, you know, two hours later, hey dad. You wanted me to do this, and here's some problems I'm running into. Can you maybe give me a course correction, or do you mind if I do this instead? Yeah. And then what am I say? What do I say? Oh, it didn't work, and that's what you're gonna do. Got it. Go ahead. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess it's my turn. Yeah. So, Bruce Lee, martial artist. Um, he kind of attempted to move martial arts toward a vision of no form or formless form. He had these little quotes like using no way as way or no limitation is the limitation. Uh, had some guiding principles around his martial art, um, guiding principles of simplicity, directness, and freedom which he tried to unify in the sentence, the form of no form, the form of no form. Now, did he truly understand this? I don't know. I mean, this is a, in the seventies. Um, but I would say if you looked at the UFC and what the UFC has kind of proved out, there's no more real one style champions. You, you have to be well-rounded. You can't just have one form. You have to be, you have to have wrestling, boxing, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, which is a way of saying you have to have all styles, which if you have all styles, it's a way of saying you have to have no style. You can't, you can't just have one style. Now, to say you have no style doesn't mean, or to say that you have no form doesn't mean that you take someone off the street that doesn't know anything about fighting and they're gonna somehow win because they have no, no form. That's, not, that's absolutely, clearly absolutely not true. The opposite is actually true. It takes practice to get there. It takes discipline and experience and it takes technique. And if you if you dive deeply 
into discipline and technique and practice. That is when your fighting style becomes the form of no form. Where it doesn't matter what happens, you're going to be able to deal with it because you can operate in any capacity and your form becomes no form. Now, what if I told you that the best form of leadership was no leadership? If you start to think about it, what's the highest form of leadership? The highest form of leadership is I don't have to talk. The highest form of leadership is I don't have to give you any kind of signal. I don't even have to give you a look. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do anything as a leader. And there's a whole spectrum. Look, if we were to say we want to go indirect, we want to use minimum force required as a leader. The minimum force required is I didn't do anything. Dave just took his team and made it happen. I I didn't say anything or do anything. There was a situation. There was a problem. There was a, a mission. There was a task. Dave saw it. I didn't say anything. I didn't look at him. And he took his team and executed that, right? That's the, that's the best form of leadership. No leadership at all. No leadership. Dave already understood what to do and he went, took his team and did it. Now, maybe I have to lead a little bit. Maybe there's a problem going on and I look at Dave and I look at the problem and Dave goes, oh, got it. Maybe I have to give him a head nod. Like, hey, that you see that over there? I give you a head nod. You're like, give me a head nod back. Got it. Maybe I say one word. You know? Flank. Dave's like, cool. Uh, It's not as clean as I want it. Because normally, in an optimal situation, Dave is flanking. I look at him to tell him to go flank. He's already flanking. He's already moving. Maybe I have to give him a sentence. Right? Hey, Dave. Flank to the west now. Okay. Maybe I have to yell at Dave. Dave, hey, you got to flank. Maybe... I have to run over and grab you and and physically take you and point to you where you need to go. This is, again, this is the worst. This is getting worse and worse. I'm not saying you never have to do that. And I did have to do that at times. Maybe I actually have to do it myself. This is the worst form of leadership. I'm not leading anymore, right? I'm just doing. Now, do I occasionally have to do that as a leader? Yes, I do. Dave's, D- Dave doesn't understand it. So I grab his team, come with me, and I lead. But you can see that you can see that escalation. You can see that spectrum of of how we're leading. But for the optimum, for the optimum, for my optimum leadership, I didn't have to do anything at all. I just was there, and Dave knew what to do. It's the it's like the muster. We go to the muster, which is our 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 leadership event, which we have a thousand people at. There's ten thousand decisions that get made about the muster. There might be more. Actually, there's probably more. I make four decisions for the muster. So there's where it's gonna be, there's the event, there's the food, there's all these things. The AV equipment, the stage set, all these things. I don't make any of the decisions. I, I show up and, I, I, show up and I, I, I get on board for the ride. So ideally, I'm not doing anything. And, 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 and then it escalates from there depending on the situation that occurs and what I haven't done a good a job enough preparing my troops to do. So this leads me into the fact of, we hear that, we hear that um, term a well-oiled machine. Right? A well-oiled machine. This team operates like a well-oiled machine. And that's cool, I get it. I, it sounds great. But that's not what we want. Because a well-oiled machine can't adapt. It it can't evolve. It can't react to contingencies. It's not fluid. It can't make decisions that aren't pre-programmed. A well-oiled machine cannot make a, a, a decision on something that hasn't been programmed to do. In other words, a machine cannot think. Our team, our organization has to be able to adapt and evolve and react and make decisions. In other words, we want an organization. We want an organization that is like a living being that can actually think. That's what we want. That's what we have to build. That's what we have to build. And it's like, 
you know, I'm talking about a machine. It's like another thing you could look at is, is um, kids, right? Do you want to raise your kid where they just obey orders as directed? Now, we think we do. We think that's what we want as a kid. We want our kids to be, hey, if they would just do what I told them to do. We think that, but that's not what we want. That's not what you want. You don't want that person, that kid that you raise will not be able to contend with the world. They can't react. They can't problem solve. They can't think. So we don't want that. And we don't want our employees to be like that either. We don't want employees that just obey, even though we think we do. You think you do. You think you want employees that just shut up and do what I told them. If they would just do what I told them to do, we would be so much better off. No, that's not what we want. If we build a team that can't think, then we have to think for them. And that means we're looking down and in instead of up and out. That means we are not leading. So we want to lead without leading. That's what we want to do. But as I said, just like with the martial arts, it doesn't mean you don't have to do anything. It takes discipline. It takes practice. It takes experience. It takes technique with us and with the team. It takes work. You have to cover move. You have to keep things simple. You have to prioritize and execute. You have to use decentralized command. You have to take ownership and you have to be default aggressive. But you also need the underlying philosophical platform to implement those strategies and tactics. You have to have the underlying philosophical platform for these things to exist. What does that underlying platform look like? Well, you have to build relationships. You have to build relationships. You have to trust, listen, respect, and influence up and down the chain of command. And by the way, note, in order to trust, listen, respect, and influence, we have to give those things away. In order to give those things away, guess what we have to do? We have to put our ego in check. I can't, if I, if I can't put my ego in check to treat Dave with respect because he's below me in the chain of command, why should I have to treat him well? You're going to fail. If I can't put my ego in check where Dave can influence me and be like, hey, you know what? Dave, your, your, your plan sounds good. Let's do it your way. If I can't put my ego in check, I can't make that happen. I can't build that relationship. So my ego has to be in check. I have to build leadership capital. I have to utilize the indirect approach. And even though we think, oh, if we have a good relationship, we can just go direct. Not true, unfortunately. Not true. And, and actually, I shouldn't even say unfortunately. It's fortunate. You know why it's fortunate? Because when you attack someone, you're showing them that you have a closed mind. And you know what? You do have a closed mind. So the platform is relationships. The platform is communication. We have to be able to communicate with people. We have to communicate in simple, clear, concise manner that everybody understands. We have to utilize every medium possible to communicate because different people receive information in different ways. And for communication also, we have to use the indirect approach. We have to make sure we're aligned. And you touched on this, Dave. Like, as you climb that ladder of alignment, where, wait, oh, do you think that the boss doesn't want us to be safe or doesn't want wants us to go bankrupt because we're being so safety conscious? No, that's not accurate at all. That's not accurate at all. We have a unified strategic objective, and sometimes we have to climb the ladder of alignment until we get there. And with that, I have to throw this note on the indirect approach. Because part of, the indir- part of the indirect approach is that you will never stray from the truth of where you're going. You don't, you don't li- the, indir- the indirect approach is not lying. It isn't little maneuvers to set someone up. That's not what it is. The indirect approach is how you are going to get to that end state. And then last, we have, we have culture, which is the ultimate form of decentralized command. And, and it's the laws of combat and the intent behind the laws of combat. When you do cover and move, you're not doing cover and move so that, I'm not doing cover and move for Dave so that Dave takes care of me. No, that's not the intent. The intent is I'm doing cover and move so I can take care of Dave. You see that little subtle difference? I'm not, I'm not hooking up Dave so he hooks me up. That's not the purpose. That's not the purpose of cover and move. I'm keeping things simple. Why? So that the team understands. 
It's for them. I'm doing this for them. Prioritize and execute. There's an application. There's an intent of prioritize and execute. Guess what? Guess what the number one priority is? The team and the mission. Not me. <laughs> that The intent of this, the intent to prioritize and execute is that it's the team and it's the mission. The baseline prioritize and execute is it's not for me. That's the baseline of prioritize and execute. And decentralized command, why am I doing that? Am I doing that so Dave can do all the work and I just get to coast? No, I'm doing it so that he gets ownership. I'm not doing it to take care of myself, I'm doing it to take care of him. So that's the, these things become part of our culture and culture, we gotta, we gotta model the correct behavior and then we gotta propagate the story so everybody understands who we are and what we are. These things are, the, these are the platforms, these are the philosophical platform that we build the rest of, the rest of our leadership approach on. And, and by the way, here's another thing about the indirect approach. This is key and this is the difference. When somebody pushes back on the indirect approach, let me tell you what. The indirect approach only makes sense if you think strategically. If you don't think strategically, the indirect approach doesn't make any sense. It will never make sense to you. It doesn't make sense to to use the indirect approach if you think tactically, if you think short term. The indirect approach doesn't make any sense because it's going to take longer. It's going to look like it's going to take longer. And tactically, it's going to seem like it's going to take longer. But the indirect approach only works if you have a strategic perspective. And when should you have a strategic perspective? You should have a strategic perspective all the time because if what you're doing doesn't help your strategic goal or help you move you in a strategic direction, you shouldn't be doing it. So these are the ideas that make up this philosophical platform so that you can move in a direction where your leadership is no leadership at all. And every one of these ideas is difficult, but we have to understand where it is we are trying to get. So let's keep working on our leadership. Anything on that, Dave? No. (laughs) Right on. All right, well, Probably a good place to stop then. How do we do? Oh, said we might be a little bit long. Looks like we're a little bit long. Hey, if you want to dig deeper into any of these aspects of leadership, you can join Dave, me, Leif, the rest of the Echelon Front team. We have an online training academy, Extreme Ownership Academy, extremeownership.com. We solve leadership. We solve problems through leadership. If you want our guidance inside your organization, you can come check out our leadership consultancy at echelonfront.com. I've also written a bunch of books on the subject of leadership, extreme ownership, the dichotomy of leadership, and leadership strategy and tactics. Got some other podcasts. My main podcast, I guess, is Jocko Podcast. Also have Jocko Unraveling, Grounded, and the Warrior Kid Podcasts. And if you want to support any of these podcasts, including this one, you can get some gear from jockostore.com or originusa.com. And thank you for listening to the debrief. Now go and lead. This is Dave and Jocko.